most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am Samantha Bravidi, a fantasy analyst here at The Action Network. A quick little piece of housekeeping before I introduce our guest. We would absolutely love it if you could take the time to review our show on Apple Podcasts because we will be calling out our favorite five-star reviews right here on the show. Every reviewer we call out will receive a free Action Pro account for one year, a full year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple Podcast reviews and keep listening to us to hear us shout you out. So today, I am so lucky to be joined by Kate Majuk, who is the Associate Manager of Editorial Operations at DraftKings, the host of Ball Blast Fantasy Podcast and Locked On Dynasty Fantasy Podcast. Um, She is here today to talk part two of our Rookie Wide Receiver Discussion, AFC Edition. Kate, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm a huge Steelers fan, so honored to be uh, discussing rookies for uh, the AFC specifically. I've got my Steelers t-shirt on. I'm ready to talk uh, exclusively about George Pickens. I think that's why uh, I've been uh, contacted for this podcast, right? We're just talking (laughs) George Pickens over and over. Yes. Uh, when I said five minutes per, that can be on average, of course, <laughs> like we could spend 25 minutes on George Pickens, if that's how you Excellent. would like to spend the show. <laughs> uh, did, did you grow up in the, the greater Pittsburgh area? So I grew up just about like an hour outside of Pittsburgh. I've been a little bit all over the place. I lived in Cleveland. I went to school in Cleveland, um, stayed there for a couple of years. I've been in Miami, but I, I lived in Pittsburgh uh, most recently before just moving to Houston. I'm like a globetrotter is what I'm just realizing uh, now as I speak on this podcast. But uh, I, I lived in Pittsburgh for a number of years uh, pretty recently here. Love the city. Um, but I, I, I did. I grew up like halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And so growing up, it was absolutely fascinating because, you know, like you go to stores like department stores and stuff and they'll have the gear for like the local teams, you would literally go to these department stores and it's a split 50, 50 down the middle. Like there's a Brown section and a Steelers section, which I feel like was the most unique experience growing up because there's not a lot of places that can have like two teams that close together. So it was, it was fun, but I fell on the Steelers side and I'm, I'm happier for it for sure. That is so funny. So my boyfriend is an insufferable Cleveland fan. Insufferable. <laughs> like the, the worst. It's in, you know, he, he doesn't actually follow the NFL as closely as me, but like, you know, who does, right? Between <laughs> us that like work in the industry. Um, but yeah, he'll just like ask me casually, like, are the Browns going to win the Super Bowl this year? And I'm like, no, <laughs> they're not. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of Steelers hate here. He actually like, I'm like redoing this like backdrop and he wants to put like a Browns hat on the back. And I was like, absolutely. Oh, no, I don't, no. I don't, I don't have anything against the Browns, but I'm certainly not a Browns fan. So I'm not going to do that. You know, I do think like, I mean, again, as somebody who's been like a little bit all over the place, love Pittsburgh so much. I love the city of Cleveland too. Like 
you've got to hand it to Browns fans uh, who are just the most loyal human beings. Um, when I, I lived there before the Baker Mayfield era uh, and it was like Deshaun Kaiser and it just like Cody Kessler, like it was just like a bunch of garbage. Um, and to see the fans that would show out every single week, it was phenomenal. So like kudos to Browns fans because they've been putting up with a lot for a really long time and never gave up hope. And I, I mean, we've seen it work out for the Bills. Who knows what's in store for the Browns at this point, but, um, but you got to give it to their fan base because they are the, some of the most loyal people you'll ever meet. I get that. And he's got this whole thing against fair weather fans, specifically <laughs> the golden, the golden state warriors right now, <laughs> just because like, you know, it's been so hard in Cleveland for so many years and I get that. So, um, yeah, no, th- their fan base is interesting and there are certainly worse fan bases out there. So, um, yeah, uh, kudos to them for, for sticking it out. So as I mentioned in our previous episode, um, this list of wideouts is just so long. It was such an amazing class. We are gifted for, you know, it is such a gift for us as fantasy people. Um, so we had to split this into two. So we are tackling these seven AFC wide receivers drafted in the first or second round. Uh, so we're going to kick it off with Garrett Wilson, who went to the JETS Jets. I'm going to first ask landing spot grade. I want I want you to give me something between an A and an F um, for each sort of team slash player combination. The Jets have had a top four pick in four of the last five drafts, have not had a winning season since 2015. Do they get an automatic F for you in terms of landing spot? No, I actually think uh, I, I think this is the year that the Jets turn it around. Um, I'm I'm actually a really big fan of sort of what they're building, how they've put their team together. I, I think they've done a really good job of rebuilding specifically over the last two years. I think they have the right coaching staff. I I mean, TBD on the quarterback situation, I think. Uh, Zach Wilson definitely has a ton of potential if they put the right weapons around him. And I think that Garrett Wilson was one of the most pro ready prospects um, among all of these wide receivers and was my wide receiver two coming in um, ahead of the draft, still my wide receiver two uh, overall in this class. But I think all of the weapons that they've put into this Jets offense between like Brees Hall and uh, like Corey Davis, who is like a, you know, a, an actual solid uh, wide receiver three at this point. They've got Elijah Moore, who was one of my favorite prospects last year. I'm actually going to give this landing spot like a, I'm, I'll say like a B plus. Uh, and it would be an A if there weren't so many question marks about Zach Wilson, because that's like the biggest. Uh, I, I think this whole thing is going to ride or die on whether or not he can put together a solid sophomore campaign. Fair enough. I mean, so at least he didn't look as miserable as Jameson Williams did uh, <laughs> going to uh, Detroit. A lot of memes were made out of that. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little less optimistic. I think my time at the New York Post has made me a little bit sour on the Jets, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to give them a C plus. Uh, obviously, you know, this, this is mostly tied to my uncertainty with Zach Wilson. I think he just needs to make a really significant leap to sort of unlock the fantasy starting for any of his pass catchers. 
Um, there is a decent amount of competition. Like I really did like Elijah Moore last year. You mentioned Corey Davis. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's not like there, there's like a ton of talent there, but it's a lot if you consider, uh, you know, Zach Wilson's prowess at this point. So it's just more that I'm taking a little bit more of a conservative approach with him as of right now. Um, but going into sort of like how you view Wilson as a prospect. So you did say he was your number two. What makes you so hyped about him at, at number two? For him to be the second wide receiver drafted off the board, like between him and Drake London, who was my wide receiver one, uh, who went to the Atlanta Falcons, I just think like it, it's impossible to go wrong between these two. So. Even if your number one wideout here was Drake London, like mine was, uh, to get Garrett Wilson as at wide receiver two is incredible. Um, not even 22 years old yet, and just absolutely dominating an offense that um, had a lot of, uh, I, I think, overall talent. Um, when you look at what him and Chris Olave were both able to accomplish within uh, the same offensive system, I mean. Ohio State, they've just put out some really solid wide receivers over the last couple of years. Um, really underrated, I think, in terms of his uh, like speed and athleticism. I think Chris Olave got all of the love here for the 40-yard dash. Um, but Garrett Wilson actually came in a bit faster, 4-3-8, 40-yard dash, which is just incredible for a guy that I don't think anybody really talks about as like this killer athlete. He's got big hands, like this is a guy that I think comes out just as, as a, a solid overall receiver. I think he's, he's able to make uh, those contested catch plays. I like everything that he does and I think he's got all of the traits. So it, it really just comes down to, will he continue to grow as a wide receiver? I think he will um, just based on the weapons that they put in the offense. But again, everything keeps coming back to Zach Wilson for me. And what is he going to do year two? Cause he only had two games where he put up more than 250 passing yards, not a single game with more than two passing touchdowns in his rookie season. It was just kind of like a big, blah, blah. it was, blah. and <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was blah. like, how do, how would I describe Zach Wilson's rookie season? Blah. Like that's, that's a new adjective in my book. And <laughs> Like Garrett Wilson, it's just going to come down to me whether or not Zach Wilson can make the jump. And if he can, I think that Garrett Wilson is um, enough uh, profiles enough as like an alpha wide receiver one that, I mean, he can be uh, the next big name in your fantasy leagues. And I think he's, again, pretty pro ready to make an impact, whether you're playing dynasty, whether you're playing redraft, I think he can uh, have an impact on the stat sheet, like right off the bat. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he is a blazing fast prospect. He's got that stretch the field type capability. He's got some, some concerns. Like I think he should put on a little bit of weight at six yes. feet, 183. He might have a little bit of trouble with press coverage and sort of like NFL sized defenders. Um, and like there's some been some sort of things that he could improve on some route running. I think Chris Olave maybe had the edge there slightly, but yeah, he he definitely has the capability of being the alpha receiver. So I am super excited about him. Um, name a player, current or retired, that comes to mind when you think of Wilson. Now, I'm going to give you something 
Dan Orlovsky said Wilson could be this year's Devontae Adams and Mel Kuyper said he could be this year's Jamar Chase. Do either of those guys come to mind or someone else? Um, you know, I, I think it's really hard to say that uh, he's going to step in to make either of those like impact roles. I do kind of like the the Jamar Chase feel, though. Uh, Jamar Chase was walking into like a much better situation offensively with Joe Burrow and Um, you know, he had a lot of those weapons, the offensive line, uh, you know, was still a problem, but I think Joe Burrow, uh, especially as he was able to, um, rehab a bit from that ACL and get back into the groove of the game, he was able to make up for some of those deficiencies. So I do kind of like the, the likening of Jamar chase. I just don't think there's a lot of holes in his game that he can't really improve on. Um, but definitely, I think uh, what you mentioned, the size bit is where where that falls a little little short for me. Understood. Yeah, I uh, I, I hope that he reaches that. I'm maybe going to give him more of like a Nicole Hardman feel. I feel like that could be at least where he, he falls maybe this year. Uh, and kind of this goes into our next thing about. 2022 fantasy potential. So I want to hear one prediction about Wilson's year one for fantasy. That could be upside floor, median, anything you want to say about him. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be a, a, a really solid, like wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Um, and that's just for this season. So I, I, Garrett Wilson is a guy that I'm kind of projecting, um, to maybe get drafted a little bit earlier than I'm comfortable taking him in most situations. But he's a guy that I kind of wonder, like if he gets off to a slow start, is he not going to end up on waivers at some point in the season? Um, You know, sometimes we get really impatient with these rookies, especially after the immediate boom that we had with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Um, Really hard to uh, like get off to any sort of slow start, but uh, and for us to hold on to him. So again, I think uh, this is a guy that I can project maybe not drafting a ton of, but uh, if he does manage to find waivers on, uh, you know, at some point in the season, I'm going to stash him wherever I can. Cause I do think um, he's going to have a, a really killer second half of the season. Once uh, hopefully we see some uh, more rapport with Zach Wilson they get into the groove of the season because I think, uh, I mean, the talent is there. It's just got to come together for the team. And sometimes that can take a little bit of time, uh, especially to start the year. Yeah, I I meant that like wide receiver three upside at this point. Um, like I said, I'm just a little less uh, sold on him, at least for this year. I, I think he's incredibly talented. I just think it's a system fit, but that, you know, such is what happens when you get drafted early in the first round, right? Like you're not going to go to the chiefs, uh, unless yep. the chiefs <laughs> happen to happen to trade up, but like it's, you end up on teams like the jets. Um, so yeah, I mean, at this point, he, his ADP, uh, for redraft and half PPR, according to fantasy pros, ADP is wide receiver 48. I think that I would probably buy him there. I, I assume that you would probably too. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. And I, you know, again, I don't know how much I'm going to actually end up drafting him just with all these concerns. But 100 percent, I think uh, he's he's going to have a really interesting season. And I think the upside is super high. 
Um, it's probably just a matter of like, are, is he going to have that consistency right off the bat? And that's, that's my biggest, uh, my, my biggest concern with him at this point, but you got to know with the prospect himself that the ceiling's sky high. I agree. Uh, all right. Let us move on to our second prospect. That's going to be Traylon Burks. Uh, this is, I mean, I just talked about how it's hard for early first round receivers to go to good teams, but, uh, this was an interesting little in draft trade where obviously AJ Brown went to Philadelphia. Um, does Traylon Burks get at least an A or one of the top landing spot grades in this class? I think he does again, probably B plus for this better offense. Um, but the question marks for me lie with the offensive system and whether or not he's going to be in for that instantaneous target share. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, offensive productivity from this offense, but it's come mostly from the rush. Um, each of the seasons that we've seen um, with Mike Vrabel as the head coach uh, hasn't yet surpassed uh, ranking 25th among NFL offenses in terms of pass attempts for the team which is kind of crazy because, uh, you know, we've we've bought into A.J. Brown. But I think we bought into that with, uh, you know, the the notion that there's some efficiency there. As long as Derrick Henry is on the field, it's going to open up things for the pass. Um, but the volume, that's the biggest concern here, because I can't imagine them, um, you know, ranking much higher than 25th in pass attempts for the 2022 season. That's the biggest question with Traylon Burks. But interestingly, my pre-draft comp for Traylon Burks was A.J. Brown. So to have these guys like a one for literally a one for one swap essentially was kind of bonkers. Um, You know, I don't think uh, he's quite as refined, but I mean, Burks, he just plays physical. Um, He's such a fun player to watch. If you haven't watched tape on him. Um, any of the listeners highly encourage you just go watch some highlights of Traylon Burks, even just uh, type them into YouTube and enjoy what you see on film. Cause he's so physical. Um, he's just a kind of a tank, but uh, moves much better than you think he would at his given size. So I think like just such an interesting dude, uh, people were a little bit disappointed uh, somehow based on, uh, his combine performance, he put up a four five five forty, which I mean, let, let's give this guy credit. He's six two, two hundred and twenty five pounds. Um, like we were just talking about Garrett Wilson at one hundred and eighty three pounds. This is Trey Lundberg's at a two twenty five. Like this dude's just a tank, um, monster hands. Like he's a guy that I think, again, could profile as that true alpha wide receiver one. Now. Uh, the question marks come up. Uh, we've heard some conjecture about how uh, he's he's shown up out of shape, which I feel like we've kind of seen that across the board from a lot of people this year. Do you have any concerns at all about like some of these reports? Um, he's out of shape. His asthma is bad. He's he's on the sideline using his inhaler as an asthmatic. Um, I totally empathize with Traylon here, but any of those reports concerning in your immediate projections for him? No, I just think this is like off season talk. Like there's not enough to talk about. So people have to make, have I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I work in media and I've worked at a place where like, it was all about clicks. 
And I, you have like you have to take the tiniest little like I, I mean, I remember having to take tweets about like someone gaining like five pounds or like this little uh, barb that this person's wife took at another person's wife <laughs> and how that will affect their cornerback wide receiver matchup and things like that. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, personally, no, that doesn't really affect me that much. I mean, the dude has asthma, like let him take his inhaler. I don't know. That, that's, that's not, <laughs> that's not uh, really going to affect me. But yeah, I mean, I would say this landing spot is pretty ideal. I agree with you that it's going to continue to be the Derek Henry show. Uh, but that said, I mean, there's just so little competition for targets it's going to be robert woods who's quite a bit older um coming off of an injury nick westbrook akina and austin hooper possibly could be uh someone that like sort of sucks up some targets but you know it just seems like he feels like like the the team like uh views him very highly and they vacated a huge spot with brown leaving so I think that just the targets alone will put him into that like fantasy relevance for sure. I think that he has an awesome build, like you mentioned, 6'2", 225, um, big hands. I know that we probably make a little bit too much about people's hands. We'll get to that about George Pickens, but we maybe make a little <laughs> bit too much about that and like some of the combine stuff. But AJ Brown is a really good analog. I was also thinking Julio Jones, another Titan guy. So um, former Titan guy. So I think that that's um interesting that you know he ended up on the titans um give me one prediction about burks year one for fantasy i'm projecting burks to come out and be more of a volume guy than we project um like i i talked about him profiling as like this alpha wide receiver um you know he does like his body type everything about Traylon burks screams a dude that should be playing on the outside but he actually played out of the slot a lot uh, mostly predominantly coming out of Arkansas. Um, that was his role was a slot wide receiver. So I think if he stays in the slot and I don't feel like we've heard enough about how the Titans are going to use him, whether or not he'll, you know, split some snaps outside versus in the slot. But if he plays primarily out of the slot, um, Burks might come out to have like immediate, really high PPR upside. Um, you know, I, I think one of the most interesting things about Traylon Burks uh, just overall is watching him after the catch. He looks almost like a running back, like after, when he has the ball in his hands and he's, um, you know, making contact with defenders down the field, literally looks like a, a, as strong as a running back out there. He's really fun to watch. So I do think if he plays out of the slot, that could be where he gets his money and he could be a PPR gold mine. Um, and that could put him at the top of this class, maybe in year one, right off the bat. But again, question marks about how he's going to be used again, how much, um, even if he gets a, a high target share with those type with the Titans, what does that mean overall for volume? Just because it is a low volume passing offense. Um, but I, I think there is a reality where Traylon Burks finishes as this class's wide receiver one in the 2022 season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he had that wide receiver two upside. He's got such a high ceiling as this like blue chip prospect in a solid system, lack of competition. I just I expect him to just make that immediate impact. And, you know, to your point about playing in the slot, think about the mismatches that he's going to create at his size against like slot corners. I think that's going to be yes. really awesome. So 
I am buying him at his current ADP of wide receiver 43. What about you? I am buying and uh, like very interesting because I'm not as high on Traylon Burks in Dynasty as I am in redraft, which is kind of interesting because uh, I feel like usually you get high on players in your Dynasty leagues for this long-term value. But I think, again, Traylon Burks, immediate impact, I think it could be instantaneous, though I don't think he's as refined as a guy like Garrett Wilson. So um, right off the bat, I'll, I'll buy at that ADP. Love it. Love it. We're going to jump into John Mechie, the third. Uh, so the Texans, eight combined wins over the last two seasons. I don't know. Do they get an automatic F for you or how, how do you how do you feel about them? Yeah, kind of. Um, and I feel like I'm very optimistic. You heard my optimism surrounding the Jets um, and despite their their lack of of success um, in recent seasons. But the Texans are a team that I just don't really think has an identity just yet. Um, you know, they don't really have a, a solid run game. They don't have a, a presumed answer at quarterback, though they seem to like Davis Mills. I just don't really have a direction for this team. And that's sort of what bumps them down in my rankings. The opportunity is there. Um, but I mean, the Texans dead last in yards last year, third fewest points scored. Uh, only ahead of the Giants and the Jaguars, uh, which we were avoiding at all costs. And when I asked myself, did enough change this past offseason? I don't think enough changed that we're not going to see, you know, John Mechie uh, and the Texans kind of continue to flounder a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm going to give them a B, B minus. I mean, they're not a great landing spot. I also don't think they're the worst. Like. Davis Mills, he was actually pretty surprising last year. So uh, probably the best rookie quarterback there was, which is crazy. (laughs) I'm going to give credit where credit is due here. I mean, he's not he did not enter a good situation. He was a third round pick. Um, And, you know, he ended up playing 13 games, 11 starts and did pretty well. Uh, I mean, the depth chart really just fell off a cliff after Brandon Cooks. I mean, it's like Nico Collins, Chris Conley. Like it's, t- it's tough. There's going to be targets to go around, though, for Mechie. I think it's healthy. Uh, I mean, he was part of that Alabama one-two punch aside, uh, alongside Williams. He definitely could have gone earlier in the draft. Speaking of that injury, he did tear his left ACL sort of at the end of the year. Uh, how much does that impact your evaluation as Mechie as a prospect? And like, just generally, what do you think of him? I like Mechie a lot. Another guy that I think uh, profiles really well as like a slot wide receiver, um, allow him to get the ball at his hands, make some plays after the catch. But the the torn ACL is absolutely a huge concern, I think, for um, specifically redraft and, and, you know, the the landing spot location that factors more into my considerations for him to then uh, in Dynasty. But the the torn ACL, it did happen in the college football playoff semifinal. So like we're talking late. Uh, what was that? Like December 31st, I think, like really, really late in the season. So um, that that definitely brings a lot of concerns because uh, he's not yet running routes at full speed Though he is running. So that's great. But he's missing kind of a lot of these like really valuable um, pure reps that he could be getting within the offense. It's great that he's, you know, 
in OTAs, minicamp, like he's doing all the right things, but there's nothing like actually simulating that play um, and that physicality and learning to trust your knee. Like, I just don't think he's going to be there uh, in time for him to make an immediate impact in year one. It, it just sucks. It sucks for John Mechie because um, the opportunity here with the Texans is totally there. They have the the door wide open for a wide receiver too in this offense, but I think he's going to be playing catch up a lot of the season once he's finally healthy. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that is something that fantasy managers really do need to take into account. Like the amount of games that we assume Jamison Williams is going to miss, like John Mechie's going to miss the same amount of games. It's the same injury and basically happened at the same time. So that that's very significant. Um, his size, I mean, he he profiles basically the same as uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, 5'11", eighty seven. So, I mean, if he plays out of the slot, mostly it won't be as uh, detrimental, but certainly could be a thing to think about in terms of like long-term durability. Um, with his size, you know, I think of another Alabama receiver, Jalen Waddell at 5'10", 182. I think that he's an interesting sort of analog. Anyone else come to mind for you? Uh, no, I think that's actually a really interesting comp there. I kind of like that, um, but especially the size coming out of the system. I don't know. It, it's so hard, I think, for me to evaluate uh, John Mechie and what he might be able to accomplish when I'm just projecting this offense um, to be so poorly. I like I've almost looked at John Mechie and I'm like, does John Mechie really matter? Because I don't think he's a good enough wide receiver in terms of his talent um, to necessarily transform this offense like Garrett Wilson, I think is a guy that can transcend quarterback play. John Mechie, I don't think has that same talent, um, but definitely um, he's, he's just such an interesting guy. And I think the range of outcomes is very wide for him, both I think on the low side in 2022, but long-term the range of outcomes is really anywhere. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, he's he's not even listed as a top 121 receiver on Fantasy Pros ADP as a recording this podcast. All right, moving on to Tyquan Thornton, a Baylor receiver who went to the Patriots. I think the Patriots are overall a below average landing spot for most positions as far as fantasy is concerned. Like, obviously, they were a great franchise and Bill Belichick's amazing, but they don't have a particularly stacked uh, receiving corp or anything like that. So how do you rate them in terms of a landing spot? I actually rank, uh, rank them a bit higher than you might think. Um, Mac Jones, I mean, ranked 12th in passing yards in his rookie season. Again, nobody talks about Mac Jones enough. He's not a rusher. So I feel like, you know, we don't care about him for fantasy, but the passing production is totally there. And I think when you think about the fact that Mac Jones had 4,000 passing yards last year. You have to think when uh, there are, there, there are opportunities to be had here. Um, I think both in terms of uh, yardage production and scoring production. So I think the, the opportunity is there, but let's talk about Tyquan Thornton, the, the pick, because I feel like there was no pick that came more out of left field than 
Tyquan Thornton this year. This is just Bill Belichick playing like 3D chess, Billy. right? Or yeah. I don't know. Like I, I give him that. Like when it, there's a really weird pick that the Patriots make, I just assume he can see something that no one else can see. But I don't know. Like maybe I shouldn't just extend that to him. <laughs> He's got like Bill, um, Bill goggles on. Like I mean, Tyquan Thornton ran the fastest 40 yard dash uh, at at the combine this year. He's like just a a speed monster, but every time I have one of these really speedy monsters, that's, um, you know, a flash like that, I do worry just overall for fantasy about lack of consistency. Cause these are a lot of guys that, um, you know, I think turn out better for the football field sometimes than they do for fantasy. They open up, uh, you know, everything for the past game because you always have to consider them for a deep threat, but Tyquan Thornton didn't have him on my, uh, even my top 10 ahead of the draft. The opportunity is there, but I do think Thornton has a lot of polishing to do um, before I'm going to trust him in fantasy lineups in any sort of capacity. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like in terms of the Patriots, like they are a fairly run heavy offense and Belichick's just notoriously unpredictable with player usage. So that just, and it's more of a running back thing, obviously, but it, it makes me a little worry of kind of anyone, especially considering that they have this like very saturated groove of pass catchers, but no one's great. Uh, it's like Jacoby Myers, who's like never had a touchdown. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Ford, Nikhil Harry, like Hunter Henry and John o. Smith. And then, um, you know, running back James White, who siphons away a lot of short yardage type play. So um, I mean, there's like a lot of guys to compete with, but no one like really great. Obviously, Thornton, to your point, is going to stand out because he has that kind of speed that no one else on that team has. I mean, Tyreek Hill, 4.2940. Uh, that was an unofficial time when West Alabama's pro day. So um, just as fast as him, I, I don't expect him necessarily to make that kind of impact. But I mean, he's almost six foot three, very athletic. Uh, any players particularly come to mind when you think of Thornton? Not really, but I do want to say um, the hands. I like we talked about hands. Tyquan Thornton eight and a quarter inch hands. Like that's right, and six that's three. A, like that's an interesting combo, right? He's just kind of a question mark. So, like, is he a guy that's going to uh, open things up for the offense? Yes, but are you going to trust uh, Mister Eight and a quarter inch hands with those contested catch opportunities? Probably not. So I do. I really just wonder, is Tyquan Thornton that speed demon um, that that opens things up for the offense, but doesn't have the impact for fantasy? That's what I'm thinking of Tyquan Thornton at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that had about 2,200 receiving yards and 19 touchdowns over four seasons, 42 games for Baylor. So it's not like he had crazy college production either, which is partly why. I mean, he's a freak athletically but that's partly why he just wasn't that high on most people's draft draft boards except for you know bill belichick but um <laughs> the the one guy that comes to mind to me is uh, like i would say he's a taller will fuller uh will fuller was like six foot 186 uh blazing fast speed for 340 so he's kind of like the only guy that i could think of that maybe profiles similar because like guys that tall don't always run that fast so like those are kind of like the only things that i could think of but um I don't know if that's I like that. And I would say like Will Fuller feels like a really nice vibe, but like a less polished, less refined Will Fuller. 
Um, but like Will Fuller is a guy that hasn't always had perfect hands either. So um, maybe that's maybe that's the perfect comp. Yeah, that's probably his ceiling, too. So uh, and speaking of that, give me something, a prediction about Thornton's year one for fantasy. It sounds like you're not optimistic about him right now. Uh, ADP wise, he's also not a guy that's listed on the top 121. This is going to be, I think, uh, another player that maybe puts up a couple of like uh, just really solid performances. Um, and then we rapid react, pick him up off waivers, try to plug him into our lineups. And then we never see the light of day again because our fantasy teams have have crumbled. Like Tyquan Thornton, it, I think he'll have uh, at least a good game, maybe two good games. But I worry about the reliability factor, the consistency there. Um, so he's definitely like maybe if you're in a best ball league could be a really intriguing, very late round pick. But for any league that I'm setting my lineups, I can't fathom a, a, a situation where he's actually playable on a week to week basis. Yeah, it's going to have that Sammy Watkins game at some point where it's like yes. <laughs> three touchdowns or something and then we'll never hear from him again. That's exactly what it feels like. And I think think we both hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) All right. Well, let us move on to our favorite receiver of today's podcast. That is going to be George Pickens. He I'm actually a Georgia fan, so I was actually pretty surprised to see how late he slipped in this draft Uh, draft position over under kind of put him right at right on the first round bubble. Uh, he fell kind of to the late second, partially due to health concerns. Do you, I mean, in terms of landing spot and general player about like, do you think that the Steelers got a steal for Pickens at number 52 overall? I do. And I, you know, I don't know um, how many of your listeners, uh, you know, participate in like college football Debbie leagues where, you know, you're drafting like these college prospects way before they make it to the NFL, but like way back in the day uh, and, by back in the day, I mean like 2019, 2020. Um, George Pickens was considered one of the top wide receivers in this class. Uh, you know, tore his ACL, tried to make a comeback, didn't quite look himself. And I think that that, um, that really hurt him. Like, I think he might have actually gone higher if we never saw him in the 2021 season, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are really kind of an interesting offense. Like we've seen plenty of production from the receiving core, despite like just really crap offenses um, out of Pittsburgh in the last three seasons. So I think the opportunity is definitely there for him to make a huge impact. Um, The question for me, at least comes in 2022 Um, In terms of, you know, as Pittsburgh navigates this quarterback situation, what does that look like for George Pickens? What does that look like for Deontay Johnson? Because I still think it's the Deontay Johnson show. I agree with you there. Yeah. In terms of landing spot grade, I'm going to give them like a B minus right now. And this is this is for 2022, because, as you mentioned, there's just that glaring void at quarterback who's. I mean, is it going to be, you tell me, is this going to be some kind of training camp battle between Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph? <laughs> I, I'm serious. It, could be. No <laughs> it really could be. And I think um, like if it's me, um, I was actually probably uh, 
more disappointed in the Kenny Pickett pick than anybody. Um, I'm just not a huge Kenny Pickett fan. I, the Steelers, I feel like are a very emotional team um, and they draft uh, with their heart. Sometimes um, they make like decisions with their heart. And sometimes I think that bites them in the butt. And I think Kenny Pickett, the hometown boy, the hometown hero, the, the fifth year breakout at Pitt, who just brought it all together for them. It was a nice story. And I think the Steelers are just a team that is prone to playing into that. But um, I genuinely think this will be a quarterback battle. I, like Mitch Trubisky, if I'm the Steelers, uh, I'm wanting to see what he can do. Because I do think, I mean, we've already seen him, uh, you know, with a strong defense in tow bring a team to the playoffs. Um, like, I think he's a suitable game manager. He's not going to um, go out and I think win you a lot of weeks, but I think he can help lead you and your team to some wins. Um, Kenny Pickett's kind of a shot in the dark for me, but I could absolutely imagine Kenny Pickett winning this job. Um, you know, at, Mitch Trubisky might have it in camp, but I do think we see... Kenny Pickett year one. Um, and I mean, who knows what we're going to see out of, uh, out of Kenny Pickett. If we're going to see a high powered passing offense from those tiny hands. Um, I I'm not so high on George Pickens uh, year one. We still have to see him really return from that torn ACL and, and look fully healthy. Um, but just the, the overall, um, weapons in that offense that they have at this point, I think there's enough there to sustain some fantasy value across the board. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of targets vacated with Juju gone and everything like that. So even though I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a total star, he, he, he'll get, some, he'll definitely get some targets out there. Um, and I, I, you know, his positive attributes, he's got a great build six foot three, one ninety five. He's going to stack up really well against those NFL cornerbacks. Um, and his size didn't seem to be a hindrance at the combine. I mean, 4.47, 40 yard dash. His route running seems to be pretty decent. Uh, yeah, I mean, the health is definitely been an issue. He had a, not that much playing time at Georgia. So he's kind of viewed, even though he comes from one of those great programs, as raw talent, which is not something that like a lot, you know, you hear that a lot. If like someone's coming out of North Dakota State or something like that, like <laughs> Christian Watson. But um, yeah, so I, I mean, there, there are a lot of unknowns combine that with, you know, the, the quarterback situation. It, it is it, there's there's a, a decently wide number of outcomes here. Um, who comes to mind when you think of Pickens? Um, I'll give you two that came to mind. Julio Jones and Mike Williams. Do you, do you like either of those? I like Julio Jones better than Mike Williams. Um, and I think the size definitely uh, is a big help. Like I, I think um, potentially, even if we don't see him necessarily get a huge target share, um, I could picture him coming in uh, year one and scoring touchdowns, like kind of like Pat Fryermuth did in his season to start. Um, I, I think the size is going to give him that opportunity and, you know, be that, sort of red zone threat um, right off the bat. I like that. For, for 2022, give me a prediction about 
Pickens year one for fantasy. And do you buy or sell him at his current EDP of wide receiver 67? Um, I'll actually buy at his current ADP. Again, I think this is a guy that um, can come in and maybe put up like six, seven, eight touchdowns right off the bat, um, especially just due to his size, due to the fact that, um, you know, I think this is a team that develops wide receivers very well. Um, Just a, a solid situation to land in. I think you know, despite the questions at quarterback, I do like there's going to be enough offensive production um, to sustain some fantasy value there. So I, I think um, I, I would definitely say he falls as like a, a fringe wide receiver four, wide receiver five for me, um, but definitely a guy that I think is probably going to win you more weeks with the touchdowns than he is necessarily the volume right off the bat. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't have too rosy of an outlook right just for 2022. I think he's a great dynasty pick, but uh, you, like I feel like he would have to leapfrog Chase Claypool on the depth chart for him to really like reach his ceiling for fantasy for this season, which like given sort of the things with the injuries and just him being not having as much uh, sort of experience at the college level, I think it could be it could take a little longer. So uh, for 2022, I'm probably going to sell him at his ADP, but I'm excited for him as a prospect for you guys. Um, All right. Let us move on to Alec Pierce from the Colts. Uh, So it is the the Jonathan Taylor show in Indianapolis. But with the offseason upgrades at quarterback, you know, like how do the Colts rank for you as a landing spot for Pierce? Uh, they actually rank pretty well. I think though it is the JT show, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, an offense that I think is going to benefit from the upgrade at quarterback, but also, um, you know, despite the focus on the run that does tend to open things up um, for a more efficient passing game, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, we can't see, uh, I think much lower than we saw him in Atlanta last season. Um, like barely through 20 touchdowns. Like, I think that feels like a really low ceiling uh, of expectations for Matt Ryan. I think we see a bounce back um, just overall with the, the nice balance they've struck there. I really like Michael Pittman. Um, but I think Alec Pierce, uh, you know, is a super interesting addition because he brings so much in terms of his athleticism uh, ranked 90th percentile uh, in the broad jump. 93rd percentile in the vertical jump, like so explosive, um, 82nd percentile in the 40 yard dash. Like this is a killer athlete with the potential to really kind of take the top off of things. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know, play, uh, play more athletically than maybe he would, um, you know, for his size specifically six, three, um, to, to be that kind of athlete at six, three and, and have, um, you know, that kind of explosiveness, uh, six, three, two, 11. Like I, I'm, I'm feeling that I'm liking that. Yeah. I, I, I just love these big receivers. Um, in terms of Matt Ryan, I mean, it was an interesting little like experiment to see what it's like to give someone no offensive line and no receivers for an entire season. Worst experience <laughs> uh, and worst experiment that Matt Ryan has ever partaken in. Poor guy. Yeah, it was cool to see a Cordero Patterson breakout. I did not have that necessarily on my bingo card, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, 
this has got to be an upgrade for Matt Ryan and it's got to be an upgrade for the Colts. Even at the ripe age of 36, he's, he's an upgrade. So um, yeah, and, and Michael Pittman's going to be his main competition for targets, but it's, it's pretty shallow after that. I mean, we've got Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton who have just not been durable. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's quite old at this point, but um, like it, you can't imagine that they're, they're going to be playing too, too much. Um, so he seems to be the incumbent number two at this point, assuming that, you know, he can, he, he does well at camp and makes that rapport with, with Ryan. And yeah, he, he's just got an exciting sort of athletic and physical build. And in addition to that, he was just really versatile. He played inside and outside for the Bearcats, which will be really awesome. Um, even if he doesn't really line up inside, like I, I just think having that ability and having that like route running sort of prowess is, is really invaluable at this level. Um, player comp, uh, AJ Green, six four two eleven. you know, four, four, eight, 40. Uh, that, that's the, that's the person that came to mind for me. Uh, that's actually an interesting one. I did have a player comp for him that I actually okay. <laughs> I kind of like. Um, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. <laughs> no, it's okay. I actually like that one. Um, the other one that I was going to roll with was DJ Chark, uh, okay. wide receiver currently with the lions, but, um, you know, played, I think pretty well for the Jacksonville Jaguars in his second season. Um, prospect out of LSU kind of, again, came in as one of these like bigger athletic guys who, you know, have that, those explosive elements. And I think that that sort of fits what Alec Pierce is going to do. Um, you know, I kind of wonder too, like, what are we going to see from him? Um, just overall in terms of, of volume right out of the gate. I'm not sure that he's going to see a ton of volume. You have Naeem Hines too, who I think is going to be a big part of this offense this year. Michael Pittman, who had his big breakout. Um, we know they like to utilize the tight end though. There are plenty of question marks as to, um, you know, what that's going to look like. We, we don't have Jack Doyle anymore. Is it the Moali Cox show? Like, I like Alec Pierce, the prospect. I really like the landing spot. I don't know what it's going to look like year one. Um, so I'm I'm not as bullish on him in year one as I would be, again, like a Garrett Wilson, who I think might have um, some more, more immediate showings in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're getting to those late rounds, like it, he, he could be worth adding as a, as a very late round flyer or in a deeper league. For sure. Like he'll go drafted in my like 16 team league for sure. Um, but, you know, like it's, it's, it's more of a thing like down the line. Like, I don't know that he's going to have that wide receiver three or four upside in, in week one. But maybe, you know, like halfway through the season, he starts to sort of emerge. I could see him being as like a, a little bit of a slower start. Um, he's like a guy that if you have a deeper bench, I would like to, to stash. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not thinking of him as an immediate starter. 66 receivers in your league are going off the board. Like you're, you're just taking shots at that point. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of risk baked into that ADP, which is very nice. Um, and I think like, again, going back to like the quarterback play specifically, um, we've seen Matt Ryan be able to sustain offenses with plenty of fantasy relevant assets here. Um, you know, we saw him uh, support Austin Hooper alongside uh, Julio Jones, alongside Calvin Ridley. Like 
if they get this this recipe right in Indy, which I think they they have the coaching staff to do, I think they have um, the the general framework to do. I, I think all of the the assets that you want are are there, uh, but I just don't think Alec Pierce is necessarily as polished uh, to make the immediate impact. Fair enough. All right, we are on to our final receiver, um, Sky Moore to the Chiefs. Uh, this is a really interesting one because I actually thought he had, he was like right on the bubble too, I think for like projection wise to go maybe as like a late first, early second. And he obviously fell to the Chiefs late in the second round. Um, in terms of a landing spot, obviously with Tyreek Hill gone, catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, does it get much better than that for you? Uh, it really doesn't. And um, this is uh, one of these prospects who I think right now is kind of like the hot guy in dynasty. I'm not projecting him to have as median an impact despite the the departure of Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, I, I kind of project Sky Moore as like that slot receiver. And I do think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do a lot of work there. Um, but I mean, like long-term it's you're, you're going to find offensive production with the Kansas city chiefs. You're tied to the best quarterback in the NFL uh, for at least the full length of your rookie contract. It is really surprising to see how far Sky Moore slipped. Cause they did think that, uh, you know, he was possibly a pick for, for the um, chiefs at the end of the first round. So to see them get him uh, at pick number 54 was kind of, um, kind of wild for me, but I do think that, um, you know, he's got enough speed. He's just got, I think he's a really well-balanced wide receiver. Um, and just, again, one of maybe the more, um, capable guys that, that fell in this range. Like I, I would take sky more probably over, let's see, um, in redraft, like Alec Pierce, um, I'd take him over George Pickens. I'd take him over Tyquan Thornton. Just for that that upside alone of being tied to Patrick Mahomes, uh, despite the questions of like, where are all these pieces going to fit um, without Tyreek Hill? That's my biggest question there for this offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm giving them an A plus, and one could argue that he got the best landing spot of this draft. Like, I the only one that I think you could make an argument for would be Green Bay and Christian Watson. I mean, obviously the upside mostly coming from the the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, astronomical upside there. Um, and to your point, <laughs> under contract until 2031. So uh, there's a lot of long-term value there. Um, I don't know how the, the targets are going to kind of shake out. Uh, he's got 10 and a quarter inch hands, which is pretty 97th impressive. 97th percentile. <laughs> That's crazy. Pretty impressive for a guy that small, but uh, pretty, pretty strong showing at the combine overall 4.41 40 yard dash. So he's got a lot of like the pieces. I just I really the upside for me comes from the system itself. What receiver do you think profiles closest to more? Um, to be clear, he's like my comp is not Tyreek Hill, but um, I think in terms of uh, what he does after the catch and his um, like movement abilities and shiftiness. I think that uh, kind of reminds me of what the chiefs want uh, to replace in Tyreek Hill. Um, again, not my comp. He's uh, he's bigger. He is not as fast. He's like, he's not Tyreek Hill, but 
when I'm watching him after the catch and and his ability to maneuver and and get get around things and just be elusive, um, ranked first among wide receivers in 2021 and missed tackles for us. Like he's just uh, once you get the ball in his hands, similar to a Tyree Kill, um, I think he's really, really hard to beat. Um, so that's uh, again, my, not my comp, but sort of my comp ish. Fair enough. Uh, I had, it. does I that make sense? Struggled. No, it, it does. It does. It definitely does. I, I struggled with this one actually, I, I just, maybe it's, I don't know more enough as a prospect to really come up with a good one, but I came up with golden Tate or Antonio Brown, which neither of those are really perfect analogs, but that's pretty much where my brain is. Um, those are kind of like a little bit undersized type guys with, with decent speed. So um, more does line up sort of both inside and outside. I think his size is maybe going to have him profile more as an inside receiver, but we shall see sort of how the chiefs end up deploying him. Like both of those are guys that you wouldn't say win because of their size, but it's right. um, in the elusiveness of their, their play style and like, the magic once they get the ball in their hands. So I think like that's um, a much uh, better way of saying uh, this comp than my uh, <laughs> nod to Tyreek Hill, who like, again, physically does not profile um, like Sky Moore whatsoever. But I, the the whole gist was there, right? Like, no, I, it, it definitely made sense to me. So, all right. So we're obviously excited about him for, for year one. Um, I, I think, you know, if he he catches on to the system really well and makes that connection with Patrick Mahomes, he has like wide receiver two, three upside. I mean, he's he's a guy that was a fringe first round pick that they nabbed in the late second that I think that like that probably impacts people's like opinion of him a little bit, but it really shouldn't. Um, I think he just brings lots, lots of upside with with the Mahomes connection. It'll it'll take some time to develop. But, you know, wide receiver 65 in that same range, to your point as Alec Pierce, as George Pickens, like I'm, I'm definitely buying him there. Yeah. This is uh, such an interesting draft class too, because so many of these wide receivers are being drafted right around that, like wide receiver 60 mark. Um, And I think all of them have some upside here uh, in terms of what they can even do year one, just based on talent alone. But I mean, in terms of situation, it's really hard to come up with a rookie that landed uh, in a better spot, especially considering the the Tyreek Hill trade. So um, I'm I'm all about Sky Moore. All right. That'll do it. I just want to get before you leave. uh, I want to get your top three of these players for redraft and top three for Dynasty. All right. I'm actually going to go kind of boring here um so please bear with me um i'm gonna go just for redraft i'll do Traylon burks which i think is kind of the consensus here um garrett wilson and then for upside i'm gonna go with sky Moore because i think again just the the offense the um the potential uh with the absence of tyreek hill i'll take him there um for dynasty i'll take uh, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, uh, and then again, Sky Moore. Um, I'm actually surprised that George Pickens didn't make my top three of them. So, uh, but again, the question marks about the Steelers, my gosh darn Steelers. 
um, <laughs> forced him down the ranks. But I, I certainly hope that um, an improvement uh, at maybe the quarterback position, hopefully maybe someday um, we'll rank George Pickens uh, up into the top three. But that's that's my gist for now. That is exactly how I had it. So I feel really good knowing that you're <laughs> you're on the same page. Yep, I would have just swapped Wilson and Burks for for Dynasty. So it's the exact same. Um, I think that that's pretty much the consensus. So overall, so yeah, it's it's going to be a super exciting class, and I'm really excited overall to start drafting. I'm sure you've been in lots of drafts already. I've done some. I've done I've done a, a few of the eliminator drafts for sure. But uh, that'll do so it. So fun. <laughs> that'll do it for today's episode of nfc wide receiver rookies kate i cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come on the show today please let everyone know where they can find you this off season and beyond yeah absolutely uh you guys can follow me on twitter at ff ball blast uh put out a weekly podcast the ball blast fantasy football podcast ball blast is one word help you blast the balls of your league mates um in terms of written content i post some stuff on twitter um, but a lot of my stuff you'll find over at DraftKings Nation. So um, be sure to to check us out over there and um, we're going to have a good season. I, I, this is going to be a really fun season to watch. Um, I can't wait to like go back to these conversations last year and see how these rookies panned out because just such an interesting class we have here. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a, kind of an overall sentiment at the draft that there were so many guys that like they could either go in one round or they could go three rounds later. Like it was an interesting sort of like, we have no idea where these prospects are going to go. And like, even now that they're drafted, there is just so much intrigue. So I think that that's what makes it more fun. Like some people want a predictable sort of fantasy season, but I want the chaos. So I am all here for it. Thank you again, Kate, for coming on. Uh, do not forget to rate and review our podcast for a chance to win a free pro account and we will see you next time on the fantasy flex peace out y'all